You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Well, there's been some incredible golf results from uh, Kiwi golfers around the globe, really, uh, with Steve Elka, Lydia Ko, Kazuma Kabori, and his sister as well. There was so much golf to talk about. I just had to get our, our man that I love chatting golf with, Bruce Young, um, very decorated caddy, journalist, analyst, commentator. He has done it all. Boy, we are cock a hoop over this side of the Tasman. Bruce, welcome in. Uh, yeah, good, uh, good afternoon to you, Steph, and happy new year to you and your listeners. And uh, yeah, look, deservedly so. It's been a, a phenomenal weekend for New Zealand golf. Uh, clearly, starting the Steve Alpers win in the opening event of the PGA Tour Champions uh, yesterday, and then followed by Kazuma Kabori's uh, maiden win as a professional. Of course, he has won a professional event when he won the New Zealand PGA a few years ago. And of course, following up with Lydia Coe's return to form, we know she won an event late in 2023 when she paired with Jason Day to win that Grant Thornton Invitational. And she's made special mention of that, of just how much confidence she got out of that win and playing with Jason uh, and the confidence that he gave her, he instilled in her. It was really quite special the way she related that uh, the, the week and that and the experience of that week. But now she appears to be back to her best and... Um, uh, yeah, I know she won her first event of the year last year at the Saudi International, but you get the feeling that 2024 is going to be significantly better than 2023. Yeah, Lydia with 14 under, winning by two. I liked her composure. Like, she's never really lost her rag. She lost her game a little bit, but she's always been able to maintain composure and continually try to do the right thing and I've always thought she's too good to not get on a little bit of a, a form streak and from what I saw in this tournament um, I feel like it could be this year Well I don't doubt it I mean it's a 20th win on the RPGA tour so she's had a pretty impressive run already I think that takes her earnings beyond 17 million US dollars uh, so she's, her career has been phenomenal as it's already but you're right. I think all those swing changes that she seemed to be continually making over the past couple of years finally now seem to be falling into place. And I think with the level of confidence she now appears to have, then I think uh, 2024 could be another yet another exceptional year for Lydia Coe. Uh, as you said, it was a two-shot win. She got it out to a five-shot lead at one stage in the middle of the back nine, actually. But her, the Alex Pano had made a few birdies late, um, and uh, got within two, but Lydia always really appeared to have it in control. Kazuma Kabori, um, I, I sit there and watch this guy, and he just seems to make the game so simple. He's got his bag on a trundler, he doesn't have a caddy, and he just sort of saunters around, and he doesn't seem to say boo to anyone. And I'm like, how's he How's he shot 21 under and one by two? You're right, he's very understated, isn't he? He's um, just goes quietly about his business. And when you look back on 2023 for Kazuma Kamori, it's probably one of the best years ever by a New Zealand amateur golfer. He won the Australian Amateur at the start of last year, 12 months ago. Then he, of course, won that event in the United States, the Western Amateur, which is one of the more significant amateur events on the American summer amateur calendar. He then 
uh, won the Eisenhower. He won the individual at the Eisenhower. He didn't win the team trophy, but he was the leading individual at the Eisenhower trophy. And on top of that all, all and probably very importantly, he won the Australasian Tour Tour School earlier in the year to get himself status on the PGA Tour of Australasia. So he headed into the professional ranks just two months or so ago with the knowledge that he had full status on the PGA Tour of Australasia. There have been a couple of, I suppose, reasonable performances since. But I think that uh, performance uh, yesterday tells the story of a young man that's really going places. And as you mentioned, his sister Momoko was also in contention in what was a mixed-gender event. But uh, Kazuma Kabori, um, I think he's told the story of a young man that's really going places. Can I just touch on another golfer that was in that field? I was watching, <clears throat> pretty much watched it all yesterday. And she's a young woman, Ashley Lau. And what a golf swing that young lady's got. Couldn't agree more. She uh, a, has a tremendous golf swing. And uh, by all accounts, she's going to the, uh, to the Epsom Tour, which is the secondary tour in, in, in the United States, next year and you you got to think given the quality of her game and the quality of a swing that she's really headed in the right direction Steph. I don't really know a great deal about it other than what I've observed uh, and she appears to be uh, a high quality player. And the other story coming out of that week also was again another very good performance by Mike Henry I thought um, to again be in contention given the troubles and the, the issues that he's faced over the last nine to ten months or so with leukemia and, and, and appearing now to be on the road to recovery. It's just such a feel-good story for him to be able to be back contending in tournaments again. And with the New Zealand Open now only four or five, five weeks away or so, when you've got the likes of Kaburi and Mike Henry and Daniel Hillier and Steve Alpers coming back to play it, um, we've really got a good line of turning up at Queenstown and at uh, the very end of February. Yep, well, Steve Alker, um, you just sit here and you look You look at his stats. I think that's his eighth win. He wins every seventh tournament uh, on average <laughs> on the senior tour. He won by four shots. And the names he beat, um, I wrote some down, Stricker, Toms, Sink, Leonard, Els, Singh, Weir, Langer. He beat some of these guys by 15 shots. Uh, it's so hard to put into context how impressive he is going because watching him yesterday, he's just error-free. It's incredible. You know, Steph, he's always had such a magnificent golf swing and I've seen him play. In fact, I was doing on-course commentary. It's what aged me a little bit. But at the uh, Queensland Open that he won, I was doing it for the ABC here in Australia. He won in 1996. So I've seen Steve's progression in his name over so many years. He, he wouldn't say it was a standout career as on the regular tours, but the fact that he kept himself in great shape um, and that he kept his game competitive, he played on the Corn Ferry Tour virtually right through until he turned 50. And when he got to the PGA, to this PGA Tour Champions, he was ready to go when he, when he Monday qualified for that very first event two and a half years ago in August of 2021 in Seattle. He managed to uh, do well there, and of course he kept on making top tens, and then he eventually won and got his full status on that tour, and the rest is history, so they say. Um, he's been really one of the dominant players, along with Steve Stricker and Bernard Langer and Padre Carrington over the last three, three years on that BGA Tour Champions, and the way he performed in their opening event of the season over the weekend suggests that there's a lot more to come. I think he's earned something like $7.5 million, US dollars, in that short time, 
uh, and the contrast between his regular tour career and now uh, the P- on the, and the over 50s is quite significant. And um, I think we're all looking forward to seeing him play and down in Queenstown again. He didn't perform well last year when he came back. He had a bit of an illness, but I think. It'll be very interesting to see how he goes against com- competing against some of the younger players at the New Zealand Open. Is it too simplistic, Bruce, to say PGA Tour to Seniors Tour, on a par four, he's now hitting eight irons instead of five irons. On a par five, he can make them in two quite comfortably before he couldn't because he's hitting it as far as he ever has, but the golf course has come back to him. Look, I think there's a, an element of that in it, but I don't think I don't think you should discount the quality of golf. I managed I, I had the good fortune to caddy for Graham Marsh in about half a dozen tournaments on the PGA Tour Champions when he first joined that tour in the mid 90s. And the thing that first struck me there, I kind of felt that uh, this is a tour for the you know a bit of a hit and giggle situation. But the thing that struck me was the quality of play at that level. Okay, they're playing courses that are slightly shorter, not ridiculously shorter. They're not playing off women's tees. They're playing off, you know, reasonably, still reasonably long golf courses. And I think what we were seeing with Steve, and as was mentioned during the coverage over the weekend, he has gained distance. He gets himself in reasonable, pretty good shape. He's always had a high-quality swing. And I think the fact that he's kept himself so fit allows him to compete against these guys and be probably one of the wouldn't say one of the longest hitters out there, but he's he's certainly a longest hitter amongst many of those peers that you mentioned that he's playing with now. So uh, he's able to keep up, and of course, his tremendous short game. He's always been a very good, solid putter. But I think that beautiful golf swing, and I've, as I said before, I've observed it through many, many years, and it's remained fairly simple um, and very, very efficient golf swing, and it's really serving him so well at the moment. Uh, and as you mentioned, New Zealand Open, <clears throat> we are only weeks away and you've become a really important part of the the coverage here. Um, and you've mentioned all these players like Dan Hillier, Steve Elker himself, Kabori as well. We get a good crop of Australian golfers over here. What what's what, what stands out for you that, that makes the New Zealand Golf Open special? Well, I think the really interesting thing about that tournament was when they first made the decision to take it, to a pro-am format uh, back in, what, 2013 or so and play it down in regional New Zealand. There were sceptics about the idea of the format and everything, but it really has worked. It's become a very classy event. Of The venue at Millbrook, as it is now, was at Hills and Millbrook for a few years. Hills originally, then Hills, Millbrook, and now it's straight at Millbrook. I think the venue is, is certainly one aspect of it. The location in the Queenstown, Aratown area Everybody loves being there. You speak to most of the players that get to go and play the New Zealand Open and they will say it's one of the best venues and one of the best run tournaments that they've ever performed in. And I think the relaxed nature, and we've just seen um, Lydia win yesterday and what was a similar type of concept, pro-am format, I think the relaxed nature of the event, even though it becomes very competitive by the weekend, really gives a feel-good type of atmosphere to the tournament so the you know the tournament's very very well run it's a classy event uh in a, in a really classy area you might say and there it's just become a huge success when a lot of people perhaps originally were a bit skeptical about the idea of going to a pro-am format staff
Yeah, brilliant. Bruce, I'm going to ask you the unanswerable question, but I have to, and it's uh, LIV. Uh, Live Golf, are we, <laughs> um, there's schedules out there. I thought there was going to be some sort of announcement by the end of December. I, I've been on holiday. I don't know if any, are we any of the wiser about the, the coming together of minds or are they going to operate autonomously? Well, I, I don't think we're any the wiser. I mean, even those in the closer inner circles don't seem totally as with which way this is all going to go, the negotiations between new parties in addition to the uh, to the Saudi Public Investment Fund and the PGA Tour. It was interesting, though. I was just watching an event from the United States just a few minutes ago. Nick Dunlap, Dunlap an amateur, became the first amateur to win on the PGA Tour since 1991, since Phil Mickelson won. And uh, I've got to say, staff, I had a lot more interest in watching that event than I ever would have in watching a live event, to be honest. So whilst, um, uh, whilst there's a lot of hype in, about live, and I think perhaps the two things over the last little while that maybe have bridged the gap a little bit are the Rory McIlroy backing off a bit, and we saw as a result of that Rory McIlroy winning in Dubai over the weekend. And um, uh, and the the, the uh, defection, I suppose, if that's the right word, of John Rahm moving to play on the uh, Live Tour. I suppose those two things have really moved the needle a little bit, and maybe things are a bit closer than they were in the past. But I'm still a fan of the PGA Tour, quite honestly. I think some of the feel-good stories you see out of that are far more intriguing than they'll ever get out of Live Golf. Yeah, because the thing for me, <clears throat> the PGA Tour and the majors, they have history, and I don't care how big the uh, fund is in Saudi Arabia, you can't buy history, you can't buy sentiment, you can't buy cool stories. They can buy all the best golfers in the world, but for me as a golf fan, I've never sought out to go and watch a live golf event, ever. No, I'm a bit the same. And I, look, I, I don't, I'm not pouring total cold water on it. A lot of fans love it, and and people are making a lot of money, but as you said, is that the is that the is that the answer? I'm not sure. Uh, and again, watching that tournament this morning, that was really a beautiful feel-good story when a when a young amateur of the current U.S. amateur champion mm. beat a fairly strong field to win that American Express tournament uh, in uh, in um, in uh, in California in the Quinter, of course, in the Quinter region. Steph, just before we go, I just got to remind people that Ryan Fox. Uh, this coming week, he finished midfield in Dubai over the weekend, but Ryan Fox will play his first event as a PGA Tour card holder this week at Torrey Pines, and it starts on Wednesday our time, uh, Wednesday night our time, um, which is uh, interesting. He's played a number of PGA Tour events, but this will be the first event that he's played since gaining his full playing rights through the DP World Tour late last year so good luck to Ryan it's his birthday today too I understand so uh, let's hope that it's a big week for him. Bang on, bang on Bruce brilliant, always good to talk golf with you sir and um, we will catch up soon Cheers Steph, thanks